Welcome to the Geek Teak Podcast, where time flows like a river and history repeats. I'm Void, and I'm here with my co-host, Beige. Wibbly, wobbly, timey, wimey. Today we're talking about, uh, <laughs> well said, by the way, uh, repeat gaming, because we realized we haven't really ever talked about like games that we've beaten and then gone back and beaten again. And I thought it would be kind of an interesting thing for you and I to start talking about, so we're talking about it off air. And I'm honestly surprised that our lists are so short. Like, I'm surprised and I'm not surprised at the same time. Yeah, yeah, because when I thought about this, I'm like, oh, yeah, I've played that one time. Nope, never went back to that. I think about it all the time. It's like I want to replay games, but I tend not to for a number of reasons. So it really does surprise me that yours is way shorter than I expected, too. Yeah, well, and there's a lot of games where, like, I've beaten them once because I tend to, if I like a game, I end up beating it, right? Like, I either sample it and I do, like, half an hour, maybe an hour of play, and that's it ever. Or if I dig in, I'll get to the point where, like, oh, yeah, I'm going to beat this game. So I beat more games than you, but... I have a lot of games, as I was thinking through this list, right, I have a lot of games where I realized that I've gone back and I started a second playthrough and I never finished the second playthrough. And I think that's true across just like a ton of my library, which like I want to go back. I want to spend more time with it, but there's always something new or there's something more pressing or like, oh, yeah, I've already experienced this before after I dig into it. And I'm like, yeah, I kind of had this experience. I don't know if I actually need it again fully. Yeah, that's pretty much how I am. Like I remember like earlier this year, like I'll start like retro games specifically, like stuff from my childhood. And it's it's a replay, but it's in such I don't say long distance chunks, but they're just so spread out over time it's like i'll get three hours into this rpg and then i'll go play something else and i'll come back and reinstall it and move another six hours into it where over like five years i end up beating the game but it's not in one long playthrough like i've done that with uh, xeno gears and things like that over time where i'm consistently working through it but not in a any kind of normal playthrough time frame yeah and so maybe we should dive into ours because both of our lists are really short so Mm -hmm. for me it's a lot of the final fantasy games it's kind of like almost every final fantasy game after five i've beaten multiple times so i've beaten final fantasy five and that's purely due due to the four job fiesta i've only beaten six once so that doesn't count which is kind of like oh yeah i should get back around to that right that (laughs) feeling um but then i've beaten final fantasy seven eight nine ten twelve and 13 and 15 multiple times each you've done 13 multiple times that surprises me i have so i when i did my i beat it when it originally came out and then i did it when i was going through every final fantasy game in order so that was two different playthroughs all right see i thought for some reason i thought that that was your first playthrough of 13 when you did the entire series no no everything in when i did the the series playthrough in like chronological order it was my first playthrough of one through six so i had never played any of those which was really interesting to go back and get all the context for it but since then i've tried to go back to most of those games again And a lot of them, I'm just like, no, I kind of got what I needed out of this. Like, I don't want to play this again because it's showing its age or it's rough around the edges or there aren't modern conveniences. And I know that's like a bunch of ways of saying the same thing, but there's something there that kind of prevents me from it. The only one that I've replayed from that first six again is Final Fantasy V because that four job fiesta, like I've beaten it multiple times. 
Yeah, I've beaten five multiple times, and part of that isn't the four-job fiesta for me, but it was having played it in Japanese when I was a teenager. Well, played the Japanese version that had been fan-translated, I guess is the better way to put it. And I beat it then, and then the uh, this different versions that have come out over time, like the Game Boy Advance version or uh, now the mobile version and things like that, I've probably beaten it three or four times, and... And that's why I haven't been able to do the four job fiesta that much is because I, or at all is because now I've gotten to the point where I'm like, yep, I've experienced this game. It's like, I know this game and I don't want to play this again. Yeah. And that's, I don't know, at least it changes it up every year, but even this year, like I didn't finish it. This was the first year I didn't finish the four job fiesta. So I might be getting to that point. I don't know. We'll see what happens next year, but I see on your list, you have six listed. I do. I've played six multiple times. I've beat it when I was a kid, and I beat it... Well, I don't even know how old I was. I I say kid, but it was when I was an adolescent or teenager, and then I've beaten it as an adult going back. So it's uh, it's really... It's just a good game. You should go back and play it. Well, one on your list that you have is Chrono Trigger. That's one that's kind of on my list of, like, I should go back and play that. It's not a super long game. It's like 20 to 25 hours your first playthrough, and it should just go faster after that. Yeah, it does. It goes a lot faster after that. Once you know where you're going and what you're doing, it's a lot faster. Um, it's it's one that has a new game plus. If I remember right, it was the very first game that had a new game plus. And so I want to go back. My most recent playthrough was just a couple of years ago on the DS. So I want to take my DS save and then do a new game plus with it uh, because that's one thing I've never done. And new game pluses are starting to really get... Uh, interesting to me more than a straight replay is to be able to take some of those uh, things that I've done to progress like in Fire Emblem Three Houses and be able to move forward in either a different storyline toward a different ending or really just to power through the game experience it again without some of the headache from before. Oh, yeah, for sure. No, I love a good New Game Plus. They're amazing. And I've never really done them. Like, the Persona 5 New Game Plus, I'm I'm at, I'm at 44 hours in Persona 5, and I'm just out of Palace 3. And so I'm right at that perfect point where I need to finish this game. Like, I am totally invested in it. But part of me wants to restart when uh, Persona 5 Royal comes out uh, next year so that I can get all of the new stuff. But I also just want to finish this out and then have a new game plus of the original with all the social connections again without having to redo like that 40 hours of building up to this point and i doubt they're going to let you transfer a save from the original into the second one into the royal as uh, new game plus so i'm i'm really torn on where to go for that one yeah that's something that would actually get me to buy persona 5 royal is if you could transfer a save game and do a new game plus after you've beaten the original but do the new game plus in the new one that that would be amazing i would i would be there day one for the royal if they let me do that because persona 5 is so amazing and i want to redo it and i'm also looking at cat quest like cat quest has a new game plus as well as a mew game plus and uh, that lets you do things and so you can level up a lot more uh, and I'll probably go back and do that one eventually uh, once I get through Cat Quest 2 just because the games are fun to play even if they're not terribly deep story wise they're just really really pretty and fun when I see like on your you know want to go back and replay you have Fire Emblem Three Houses too yeah which is, I w- 
Yeah, like I'm in the middle of so I'm in the middle of a replay of Persona Five and Fire Emblem Three Houses. So I think you and I are kind of on the same page for like what we want to do, even if we haven't done it yet. Yeah, where I'm in the middle of uh, Fire Emblem Three Houses, that I got distracted by a bunch of other stuff while I was playing it. Like I think I had my uh, one of my retreats or a conference come up while I was starting the Fire Emblem Three Houses uh, second game, and so I just got distracted from it. But it's really good. The way they've done New Game Plus is exactly the way that I want it to be, where it doesn't make everything super easy like you're not overpowering the enemies you just get a lot of perks that make the game a lot more pleasant to go through the early stages so i really look forward to finishing it i just haven't yet yeah and that's kind of where i'm at with those two but like for the ones that we've actually beaten you and i have a couple similarities which is kind of interesting so we both have some mario and we both have some zelda in the mix here so for zelda we both have linked to the past which is interesting they're like out of the limited number of games that both of us have there's a couple in common so like final fantasy stuff here and then link to the past for zelda oh yes because it's so good like link to the past is maybe one of the best games ever made and i've played it through so many times that i honestly can't count since it came out that it was one of those that i would just play over and over as a as a young adult, you kid, adolescent, I don't even again, I can't remember how old I was, but it was just you beat it, you play Zelda again. That's just that's just how it was. And that was kind of the Zelda game at the time. Yeah, and I mean, that's one of those games that like if you're making a games of all time list, there's no way Link to the Past doesn't make top ten. Like I just Mm-mm. I don't see how it wouldn't. Yeah, it's just it's just too good. And I don't want to say it's too good. Like that's not even the way to put it. It's it was just that perfect place at the perfect time that when it came out, it did everything right. Yeah, exactly. Well, and okay, so Mario's another one here. Well, you also have Link's Awakening. Is that just because you played it over and over as a kid? Is that the same idea? Yes. Link's Awakening is the number one game that I've replayed my entire life. I've played it so many times and deleted so many saves and then just restarted it on the original Game Boy that I have of any game that I probably ever will replay. I don't I lost count on Link's Awakening because I I remember just sitting in my family's recliner or in my in my bedroom playing it and it was just over and over again. I loved that game so much and that's why I can't get into the uh remake of it. You and I discussed a week or two ago about the new one how we just couldn't really grasp it and like really fall into it and for me is it so familiar that i'm just like i've played this so many times i just i'm i can't play this again well it's interesting because like for mario we both have mario on here you have mario 64 and for me i have beaten every single mario platforming game ever and yes just because like i love mario platformers and i know that i must have beaten some of these multiple times but I'm thinking back, and I honestly can't tell you which ones I've done multiple times, which t- ones I've only like just played pieces of them again. Um, yep. But there's no way that I haven't beat a bunch of the Mario platformers like multiple times. I don't even think it's just the ones that I was a kid and I had more time because like Mario 3D World, like I know I've beaten that multiple times. You know, so it's kind of like a scattering of them. But why did you call out Mario 64 specifically? That's kind of what I want to know. I'm the same way as you on Mario games. It's like I have no idea which ones I've played and beat multiple times. Super Mario World, I know. I don't know which ones I've gone through because there were different paths that you could take in it. I know I've beaten Mario 3 
so many times it's uncountable and just the first one everything but depending on warp zones how you do it it's like those are are just games that you beat over and over again mario 64 though i got 120 stars on it and then restarted to get them all again that it was i just loved playing this game so much it's one of my favorite games of all time and when it came out it was pretty much perfect and i still think it's pretty much perfect that i love it and i can restart and play this game and immediately fall in and i will just continue playing it all the way through until i beat bowser i just love the game and i did it when i was 14 and it came out i'll probably do it again when i'm 40 it's it's this i just it's just a good game yeah, I mean, Mario games all around are just, they're really solid. They're really, really good games. Um, yep. And now we kind of get to the part of our list that are divergent a little bit. So tell me about right. Kingdom Hearts and tell me, you have Star Wars on here. And I'm really curious, like, which game? There's a lot of Star Wars games out there. So Kingdom Hearts is the first one. Like, I've played it multiple times. I'm, I want to say I've played, I've played most of two, at least two times like i know i beat it once and i'm trying to think if i beat it the second time and i can't remember um but i know i've played through at least those twice i played through at least most of two whether i beat it the second time or not and the star wars i just put on here star wars because i know i beat shadows of the empire multiple times that i absolutely there's no i played it so much like i really was afraid of uh wearing out my cart when i was younger and uh the like like the way it saved and everything Thing. Like, I was worried it would lose my saves. Like, I love Shadows of the Empire on the Nintendo 64. Um, I know I've beaten it multiple, multiple times. Like, I love that game. And then I can't remember whether or not I've played, like, Jedi Knight and Jedi Outcast and Jedi Academy. Um the the Star Wars uh, Dark Forces games, I can't remember which ones I replayed and beat that I know that I played them multiple times. Like I was talking about again a couple of a uh, couple of weeks ago or last week, I can't remember where we were talking about Jedi Outcast and getting through the uh, the the early boring parts with with cheats where I know I've done that on the PC that it came out again at that perfect time where I was just playing through these games over and over again because I loved them so much. No, that's sweet. I mean, it's totally understandable that like there's so many Star Wars games and you and I like Star Wars so much that there's probably a handful out there that you've done multiple times. Oh yeah. And it's weird that I haven't done Knights of the Old Republic or Knights of the Old Republic 2 multiple times. I, uh, with as many paths as you can take through them, it's basically I did Knights of the Old Republic 1 as a dark side character and Knights of the Old Republic 2 as a light side character. I never went back and did either or on uh, the other. Yeah, I mean, it makes sense, too. I'm the same way. Like, I didn't do Knights of the Old Republic multiple times either. I've thought about it. I've started a second playthrough, but I've never done it again multiple times. Yeah, exactly. Same here. I get a little bit into it. And I'm like, eh, I'm okay right now. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So for me, the other two on my list are Firewatch and Cyanara Wild Hearts, which Firewatch was interesting because, like, I played it and I really, really liked it. And then we talked about it. And then I think I convinced you to play it. And I talked right. about it a couple more times on air, like, as we were getting towards the end of the year or something. And I just, like, couldn't stop thinking about it until I went back and I experienced the whole game again beginning to end. So I finished that one twice within the first six months that it was out. And that was really weird for me that I, I like, couldn't move on from it mentally until i like re-experience the whole thing but huh. that's a really good game like firewatch is amazing and then sayonara wild hearts it was it was really because of the album mode i wanted to go back and see how much yeah. that changed things and i know i talked about that uh, a few weeks ago so i won't dwell on it too much here but sayonara wild hearts each time i play it 
it has like moved up in my rankings for the year. So the first time I played it, I was like, oh yeah, that was a cool game. Definitely an honorable mention when we do our end of the year list. And then I played it again and I was like, oh man, this is probably like in my top 10 games of the year. And I'm wondering if I play it one more time because I thought about it the other night and I realized as soon as I started thinking about it that I'm going to play this game at least one more time before we Mm -hmm, get to the end of the year. I I wonder if this is going to crack the top five. Like it might. I, I like that game a lot. It's a really good game, and if there is one game lately that's been made for replayability, it's this one, that it is just awesome, that I haven't finished a replay through album mode because I want to sit down and do it all at one sitting, and I haven't had that much time in one sitting to do it. Yeah, and that makes sense, but I mean, I think in general here, we're finding that our lists are really short. Like if we're, you know, kind of thinking about replaying a game, for me, it's like I'm kind of dabbling to get a feel for it again, or I'm picking up where I left off because I never actually beat it the first time, or it's a game where there's no completion state, right? Like Magic yeah. Gathering Arena. Like I could, you could say I'm replaying every time I play, but I'm not. It's just a game that like never ends, right? So there's not a whole lot of games that have an ending that we've done over and over again. And I just find that interesting. Yeah, it's weird that I'll start games and like replaying a game when I when I think about it this way, like when we came up with the topic, it was actually playing a game all the way through again. Yes, exactly. The number of games that I restart get that feeling of, oh, yeah, this was fun. I like this and then just bounce off because I had that small experience that I wanted to feel again. Like, oh, yeah, I'm playing Ocarina of Time again. And that's what it was like to run with a Pona across the uh, across the, the field. It's like I may want to do something like that or get to a certain point and experience a level or a boss or or something where it's like a Mega Man game. It's like, oh, I want to play the Skull Man level. Things like that I will do. But I very rarely play all the way through a game but i will restart a lot of games and just play an hour or 30 minutes or something just to be like yep i've done that now i'm i'm fulfilled i don't have to play this entire thing even though i love it uh i have that that kind of fulfillment that i would get regardless of if i put in 40 or four hours yeah absolutely and like for me some of it is i want to go back and I, I go into it with the intention of like replaying it and rebeating it. But once I get a little ways in, like I just don't have the same momentum as the first time through the game. Because you know me, once I latch onto a game and I like, get my hooks into it, I'm going to push through that game and just like destroy it. Like I will consume that game extremely fast. Um, but that's right. not true the second time. Like I just don't feel the same drive to like get through it really quickly and consume all of it. So sometimes it just kind of peters out and then I move on to the next thing. Um, so the ones that have made it through that we talked about, they're definitely worth calling out because they're kind of few and far between. That's probably it for the main topic. Uh, Why don't you tell the nice people about our Geeky Offer of the Week? So we've got a Patreon, and just very briefly, you guys, we would love to have your support. You can go to patreon.com slash geek2geekcast and just check out all the stuff that we've got. We are looking at doing patron-exclusive episodes. Uh, We're working on figuring that out. We have a custom Discord role to show your support for the the show, and really, this is what helps keep us on air and keep us doing it. It's just a, a boost that you have no idea how much it helps so patreon.com slash 
geek to geek cast yeah it helps us a ton um around the network this week geekitude joe had katie on from the tea time podcast and they talked all about halloween which was super fun to listen to uh tea time with katie and chelsea has an episode that i don't know if it hit the feed as of recording this but they have something out this week and then troidal is streaming thursday mornings capsule j is streaming tuesdays from 8 to 11 p.m eastern and sometimes on thursdays and weekends and then of course you can go check out the geekery where austin writes about dragon quest and then maybe new things now now that he's beaten all the dragon quest games again um and 13 stories always writing about something interesting video game related usually video game related um you can subscribe to all that at geek2geekmedia.com slash subscribe if you want to just deliver it to you nicely um with that being said it's time for our weekly geekery where we share what we've been geeking out about this week what have you been up to uh well as of today i am playing world of warcraft again um and by playing i mean i have a subscription again i don't know how much i'm actually going to be playing but over the weekend with blizzcon they announced the next expansion was going to be wild shadowlands and then i kind of go to look at some of the stuff this morning like keep it up in a second browser while i'm prepping for work and i see that today started the wow 15th anniversary event and i loved the 10th anniversary event and i actually missed out on the corehound mount so i saw that they were doing a bunch of different uh raids and things like that from the past and you can go through and earn a uh what looks like a deathwing mount and i wanted to do that make sure i do it uh so i'm going to basically go through and do that it's going between now and like january 7th so they're doing it for a good long time and that's the kind of thing that draws me back into it so we'll see what happens shadowlands looks kind of neat uh doing different things it'll come out next year i'm sure i'll go through it but i went back to wow for a little while we'll see what happens and um this weekend jennifer and i were on our 10th anniversary trip and we spent like four days at the beach and a lot of that like the 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 weather was cold and so it was perfect it was like 50 to 60 degrees uh, on the beach and it would get down into the uh, 30s and 40s at night like it was really delightful to be at the beach where it was like that and then during the day it was really pleasant and when it was too cold to go out or we just wanted to chill we played luigi's mansion on co-op that it is the first Luigi's Mansion game that I've really given a true shot, like I played the first one and didn't like it because I think I was expecting a different game when it was brand new. Never played the second one. And the uh, the third one has hooked us and it is so much fun to play together that I love. I'm Gooigi when we play and she's Luigi. Um, and you have to wait a little bit to open up the co-op part of it. But when you do, it is it is absolutely great that I love. The game is just beautiful, too. Like, it's funny. It makes us laugh. It's just so simple and silly and fun. Yeah, it's a it's solid game. Like, I've been playing it, too. So I'm about 45 minutes in. I haven't played a whole lot because my kids took it, and they've been playing it instead of me. So right. I've been I figured watching... that would happen. Yeah, and me, too, because Luigi's Mansion is one of my daughter's, like, absolute favorite games ever. So I knew that this was going to happen. I'm 45 minutes in. They're probably like four or five hours into it. And yeah. they've been playing co-op and they've been having a great time. And, you know, they're switching off Luigi and Gooigi. And it's I can say nothing bad about that game. Like it is what you would expect from a Luigi's Mansion game, but kind of updated. It looks really good because it's on Switch and it's multiplayer and they've made some improvements like if you have played a Luigi's Mansion game and you don't like them, don't pick this up. If you've played any Luigi's Mansion game and you do like it, like go get this because it's, it's that, but really good. Yeah, from what I've heard, it is just a better iteration of it. 
that it's just a good Luigi's Mansion game. And for me, that means it's a really fun game for us to do. Uh, the best thing about it, though, and I have to call it out, is the way that you communicate with the uh, with the doctor that um, you use the virtual boo, which is just a virtual boy. And it even makes the joke that like when this thing, when people see this thing, it's just going to fly off the shelves. And uh, it's like, <laughs> it didn't. And yeah, I mean, that was it's funny. The, it's the best part about the game so far is just seeing them put a virtual boy on their face all the time. <laughs> yep. No, I like it. Um, so for me, I well, kind of going along with like your BlizzCon thing. How are Overwatch cinematics so good? Because oh, man. they released a cinematic for Overwatch 2 and it was just they always work so well. They're so good at storytelling in this short form format. And I don't yep. know if Blizzard could do it in like a full movie version. I mean, the last time they did, they handed it over to Hollywood and like a director and things that they don't do when they're doing these internal videos. I wonder what an hour long or two hour long like Blizzard animated movie would look like if they did it with the same studios they use in-house. But this is one of their like seven, eight minute like character portrait type of thing. And it was really focusing on like getting Overwatch back together. So it wasn't just one character. It was a handful of characters. But man, it just it got me right in the feels. It was fantastic. It got me hyped for Overwatch 2 before I even knew like what it was or what it was going to yep. be about. And I just had to call out like their cinematics for Overwatch are just next level. They're so good. Like, I didn't get to see this. You sent me a message about how great it was, and I was at dinner, and we still had like an hour to drive uh, to get back to our condo at the beach. So I didn't get to watch it for a good two hours at least uh, after you sent it to me, after you told me that it was out and that you loved it and we were talking about it. And then we're lying in bed, and I decide, oh, yeah, I need to watch the Overwatch cinematic. So Jennifer actually watches it with me. And this is the first time that, like, I've been playing Overwatch for how many years now? Like, four years since it's been out? And Jennifer has apparently had no idea what Overwatch is, really. And, like, she thought it was an MMO because it's online. And I'm like, no, it's, it's just a shooter. It's a team shooter. And she's like, oh, I thought it was an MMO. So we were we were just talking about it, like, how it's kind of superheroes with these people. Like, it's almost a superhero kind of a feel to a lot of it. And it's really cartoony, which she didn't realize any of it. And she loved the cinematic of this. It makes me want to, it makes her kind of want to try it. So since I got the Switch version, I'm going to reinstall it on the Switch because I'd actually deleted it and see what she thinks about it. That with her watching that, especially with like the Winston part in the cinematic with the, you know, the giant ape running around with a lightning cannon. Like we said uh, four years ago with the in the first season of this, monkey with a lightning cannon and you can't really <laughs> go wrong with it. Um, it's still the truth because Jennifer saw it was like this is way different than what i expected then we watched the gameplay trailer for it and she was like okay i see what that is like i don't know if she'll like it but it the this cinematic is the first time that she's ever cared to th even think about it it's so good i mean even if you guys have never played overwatch or looked into overwatch if you go look up the cinematic for overwatch 2 just give it a shot it's like seven minutes out of your day whether you want to play the game or not like it's a really solid cinematic so it's worth watching it is it's really it's really good it's really I good i have not watched the uh the world of warcraft cinematic though the shadowlands one i haven't watched it yet but i watched the overwatch 2 one for sure yeah, I don't care as much about the other announcements they did. Diablo looks grimdark again, and WoW is still WoW. So it's kind of whatever. Exactly. But the Overwatch cinematic, I was like, oh, yeah, I, I have to watch that. Um, yeah, besides that, sure. this week, I 
listened to the entire backlog of a podcast that's not super old yet, so it didn't take me very long, but it's called Strong Songs, hmm. and it's really, really good. Um, it's Kirk Hamilton, who used to be on one of the Kotaku podcasts. He's still there, but he doesn't work for Kotaku anymore. And okay. it's his kind of like new project and new focus because he's a musician and he has been for a really long time. That's kind of what oh. he's trained in. Um, right. And he goes in and he breaks apart pieces of songs and tells you what's interesting about them or like how they built this melody or how they built like this song and all the constituent pieces and what's interesting, what's different about it, what you like about it without even knowing that you like it about it. And it gets really into the weeds. So what I suggest doing is either look at the backlog of it, because he's only been doing it for like, I don't know, six months or something like that, if even, um, because he recently moved over from the other stuff that he was doing in the video game world, which is how I know of him in the first place. Um, But either look through, and if there's a song that you really like that he has covered like this, pick that song and start there. But if you look through and none of the songs are ones that jump out at you, just go into one of his Q&A episodes. They are so insightful and they give you an idea of how smart he is when it comes to music and what goes into all of the parts of a song. Um, And that was kind of where I started. I started with the Q&A episodes and then I started going song by song. And I just love this podcast. It's a really, really good podcast. That's interesting. I don't think I would be able to listen to that one because I'm not a music guy really at all. But it sounds interesting. Yeah, it was good. So if I'm, I don't know how much of a music guy I am, but it was it's something that I'm listening to now every time it comes out and I really enjoy it. So to go along with that, I've also kind of been on this mission in the background of trying to find wireless headphones that work for me. And okay. I've tried so many different wireless headphones I've stayed away from the super expensive ones because I keep finding ones that I think will work and then they don't work or they seem to work for a little bit and then I get annoyed with something or another. And I think I finally found my headphones. This has been, I've been working on this for like a year and I haven't talked about it because I've been super frustrated. Um, But the true wireless headphones, the ones that like stick in your ear and they only maybe have a wire that connects like around the back or they're like standalone earbuds. So they have no Mm -hmm. wire whatsoever. Those always end up hurting my ears after like 30 to 60 minutes because they have to have the battery pack included in the earbud and they just like drag on your ear. Or if they don't, then the battery life is really, really bad. I started moving into more of like, okay, well, what about the ones that kind of have one wire that goes between them? And I found some that worked for longer, but they would still get annoying after a couple hours. And I found these ones that were highly reviewed. Somebody that I trusted said, hey, check out these ones. And it's the Skull Candy inked wireless headphones. And they're not actually the true wireless ones. They're the ones that they you kind of have like battery pack control thing that sits around half your neck. Like it's, yeah. you, you've seen those, you know what I'm talking about, right? Yeah, that look kind of like a necklace that uh, is yeah. almost like a collar you wear. Yeah, and it doesn't connect around the front, but like they have, you know, the two earbuds that kind of dangle off just maybe like four inches off the front of them. Yep. So it's almost like a half necklace that sits around the back of your neck. I love these headphones. They're like exactly what I've been looking for and I didn't realize it. So I had to go away from the true wireless kind of into this more wireless adjacent. It's more of a disconnected headphone. You don't have to have it plugged into your phone and that's the main thing. But the battery life on these things is incredible. And I love Skull Candy and I haven't like been using my Skull Candies as much as I've been trying to find like headphones that work. And now yeah. I'm back with the brand and I was like, oh yeah, I always love the Skull Candy brand and their headphones and what they do. So I think this is it. I think these are the headphones I'm going to go with. So again, if you guys are interested, they're the Skull Candy inked wireless headphones. 
And right now, I've been doing the same thing of just trying to find some that worked for me, except I need them for running. And so the two that I've actually landed on lately, I can't wear these with the thing around your collar is because it drives me crazy uh, running because it bounces and moves around so much and rubs. But I found some with the wire between them that are uh, the Beats uh, Power Beats 3 that I found refurbished for uh, cheaper, and they work really well. And also there's one called Impow, M-P-O-W, Flame, that also works like that. They sound really good, and they're about 20 bucks, and they're really high-quality running uh, headphones. They were It's crazy how much I've enjoyed those. So uh, same for me. Like I've been trying to find wireless headphones that were worthwhile and, and worth paying for and using, uh, so I'm glad that we both kind of found that. I'll have to look into Skullcandy in the future because I've never used any of theirs oh yeah i love skull candy stuff so i'm glad that i ended up kind of getting back around to the brand they just didn't have good wireless offerings for a while and i didn't realize that they had caught up and now that they have it's like oh yeah okay this is the headphone for me so awesome i figured that out in the last week and then the other main geekery thing that i've done is i started a star wars rewatch and this cool. is really because of the podcasters assemble podcast with troidal power from the network they are going through and a bunch of podcasters contribute if you've never listened to the episodes um but go check it out it's a podcast you can get it right now podcasters assemble and they they take all of these different podcasters like feedback or thoughts about um a movie and then they stitch them all together so it's like you get you know 10 or 15 people's impressions of a movie all cut up and like edited together which is really cool and so i started listening to that and i realized i've watched so many star wars movies and like the only way that i haven't watched them before is chronologically i never watched them in the order of like what they what happens in the story in the universe like in mm-hmm. that order do you know what i mean yeah yeah absolutely so i went and i'm doing that um phantom menace there's there's not a lot of to say about the prequels and i'm not going to bash on them because we've talked you know all of those through there are things we like mm-hmm. there's a lot of things we don't like but phantom menace one of the things that i noticed new this time is like is qui-gon a gray jedi or is he like a proto gray jedi because he does some interesting things in there that aren't super Jedi-like that I really kind of mm-hmm. approve of. And it's interesting. Like, I almost wish that he had been around longer as a character because I think they could have done fascinating things with him. Yeah, I don't understand why they had to kill him off, but he was one of the... He's probably the most interesting character from the prequels. And I am I want to read more of the EU stuff, especially the new canon if they get into him at all, because it's been, uh, like, it's been interesting for me to think about the same thing. Like, is he a gray Jedi? And I saw a lot coming out when the Old Republic... The MMO was being released if they were going to basically take Qui-Gon as an example of like gray storylines as yeah. the way the personality went. And like I would buy it. So I'm actually I'm reading the one thing in the new EU that has Qui-Gon in it. So I'll report oh. back once I finish that. What is it? It's called I think it's called Master and Apprentice. It's like Obi-Wan and Qui-Gon, um, but it oh, just cool. came out like a month ago. So it's it's really new. Yeah, that's awesome. I've seen the name and I didn't realize they were the Master and Apprentice. That's awesome. Yeah. Yeah, and it's by Claudia Gray. She does some of my favorite stuff yeah, in Star Wars in like the new canon. So I'm excited for that one. I'm just not very far into it. Um, so I watched the prequels. They were the prequels. <laughs> um, but I think I actually like Solo more than I like the prequels, which was mm-hmm. surprising too. to me for how my initial reaction to that movie was. I still think Solo is just kind of okay. I don't think it needs to exist. But also now that I know what to expect going into it, 
it was it was totally fine. It was fine as like an action movie, which is I think what I felt walking out of it. I was just you know I was having negative reactions because it wasn't everything I wanted it to be. Um, but it's okay. So I think that you know in ranking order, that's probably above the prequels for me. Um, but one of the things that I noticed was that the prequels give a lot more meaning to the original trilogy especially with a new hope like that movie specifically you get a lot more context from the prequels which makes sense because they were built to lead up to it but i've never watched them straight through in this order without doing like machete order or something else so to see it flow from the story perspective was interesting for me and then the one other thing that i noticed that was the most surprising to me is how much i like rogue one and i know that Uh you're not a fan of it but i like rogue one more now than i ever have before and I appreciate it so much more in context. Like, it has the right tone for the movie that it's trying to be. And that's where you don't like it. You don't like the movie that it's trying to be and the tone that it strikes. I don't like, because that's not the kind of movie I like. But I can appreciate what it's doing. The reason I don't like it is actually the, you and I feel exactly opposite about Rogue One and Solo. Because I think that Rogue One has absolutely no reason to exist, and it is not doing anything for the uh, Star Wars universe that we didn't already know. I disagree, but we've talked that through to death, so I'm not going to get into all of that, right? Some of the reasons that like, I still like this one, you know, I think it makes Star Wars feel like an actual war in a way that none of the other movies do. The stakes feel real that. in a way that like a lot of the other Star Wars movies, they don't because you're I wanna, with... Oh, I want to ask about that. I want to ask about why they feel real to you, because that's one of the big sticking points that I have with this is because that the stakes don't matter at all, because these characters are not anywhere else. You know that they can't survive their emotions, their emotional connections are rushed and they don't like have any real relationships built up. Like, I don't feel any stakes in this in this movie. So it's not from the high level. It's not because of the mission they're trying to achieve because you know they're going to get there, right? Like there's no tension on that side. It's more about the fact that any of them could die at any moment because you know they're not going to carry forward. So but there's this that, like that's, – That's where I'm like that's not stakes because you know they're going to die. There, But it, it does something where suddenly because it feels like a war and because any of these characters could die at any moment – there's a real sense of like there's real stakes to every confrontation like stormtroopers feel scary in this movie in a way that they don't in literally any other star wars movie ever like if you see stormtroopers like they just you know they're gonna miss everybody unless it's like some character that you've never heard of before that they hit off the side and they show up on screen for like half a second or they're just gonna get destroyed like that's what happens every time a stormtrooper is on screen but in this one, they actually feel like, oh, these guys are kind of deadly. These could, like, really mess us up. Like, I don't know. There's something about the way it's shot and the way that it's put together, and it's a war movie. And it, it kind of gets into, like, the rest of what I want to say, right? So, like, the rebels kind of feel more like a rebel than just another army because in right. a lot of the other ones, it feels like, oh, we have – here's our forces. Here's their forces. You know, here's our set of, like, ships. Here's our fleet. There's their fleet. It's mm-hmm. almost just, like, army to army. Right. It never really feels like this little rebellious insurrection against a giant empire the way that it does in this movie. And a lot of this is done through the cinematography. And this is the thing that really stuck out to me more than anything else, because I watched it right after the prequels. I watched it right after Solo and I watched it right before diving into the original trilogy. The cinematography of Rogue One is amazing. Like it is a step above 
all of those other movies that I've watched. And I don't think I don't think it's quite as good necessarily as the sequel trilogy, but I'm not there yet, right? So I was watching it in the context right. of everything else around it, and the cinematography is just so much better from like a technical and creative standpoint than everything else that surrounds it. Um, so that I gives, agree with that. That yeah. the the cinematography on that movie, like it accomplishes being a war movie that feels like a war movie. And you're absolutely right about the stormtroopers. Like I will absolutely concede that that is that is a glowing part of the movie. Yeah, and so the other thing walking away from that is that I'm kind of surprised how excited I am for that Cassian Andor show because. Now I think I appreciate Rogue One even more than I did before. Okay, so I'm curious about that because I'm not interested at all in that one, obviously. Why are you interested in it? For the character or for the world that it's set in to be able to see what they do with it? For the world. The character's kind of whatever. Like, he'll be fine. Okay. But it's more about the world. Now that I've seen, like, if they keep it in the tone of what Rogue One was doing, I want to see more of that world. Okay, that's fair. That's the reason I, the only reason really I want to see it is I want to see more of that time period because Cassian always seemed just kind of there to me. And so giving him a show was just like, wow, you're giving a cardboard box a nice, a nice new TV show. That's great. But it was <laughs> like, he's, he's a beige wall to me. And so it's, uh, that's what I was curious about because whether he was there and you saying like, he's like, eh, it's like, that makes me happy. Because it's like I'm as much as you and I differ on the movies and the way that we feel about this one in particular, I was really curious on what it was about that show that was interesting you. Yeah, it's the world. I hope they keep it in the vein of like Rogue One and they build on that. So that's where I'm at with the rewatch. I'm about to go into rewatching all of the ones that I would rank the highest in my Star Wars rankings. So we'll see what happens next because I basically have watched through A New Hope. So I'm about to go into Empire and everything beyond and all of those movies are really good. I mean, out of the other, what, four that I have left, um, Return of the Jedi is probably the weakest, and even that's pretty solid. So we'll see. I, I can report back in a week or two here, and I will have watched everything. That's kind of my goal. Okay, and you have five. You should have five. The three originals and Last Jedi and Force Awakens. Uh, I watched A New Hope already, so we're oh, down did to four. You? Okay, for some reason, my brain was just like, nope, you haven't seen any of the new trilogy. Yeah, the so original I, stopped, trilogy. I stopped right after A New Hope. That's where I am. So I will report back with the rest maybe even by next week. Okay, cool. And I actually have been planning on doing the same thing, probably not in chronological order, but uh, I'm going to be rewatching most of them. I'm probably not going to watch Attack of the Clones again because it was a painful experience last time. I'll watch part of Phantom Menace, and then I want to actually rewatch Solo maybe tonight and uh, rewatch Rogue One. I'm actually going to rewatch Rogue One uh, to give it another real shot, um, but uh, then move through, obviously, the others before Rise of Skywalker comes out. But I look forward to seeing Solo again, um, and I look forward to seeing Rogue One again, taking these thoughts into consideration. Yeah, so like when, you, I, when you watch I appreciate it, it. Yeah. Oh, so when you watch it, don't worry too much about the characters and don't worry about the central plot because you know what's going to happen with all of those. And I think that's where you're disappointed. Like, look at what they do with the world building. Look what they do with the framing and the rebellion and the empire and all of the like, they're almost like one step up from an idea perspective from like the core of it. And I know the first time that you see it in theaters, you can't help but only focus on the core. That's just kind of the way it works. But I think there's a lot there. And I hope that you 
you, I hope you like it more on your next round. Yeah, I mean, I've seen it three times, and every time, the first time I liked it, the second time I did not, and the third time it was just like, oh my god, this is just as bad as I th- remembered it being. <laughs> where it's so maybe you won't like it then. Yeah, I mean, and it's it's the reason because I watch movies for characters. And I like the the re, one of the reasons I like the new trilogy is because I really like the characters in them. I like Finn and I like Ben. I like uh, Kylo Ren and I like Ray a lot. And so I like seeing these interactions and everything. But in this one, there wasn't a single character uh, in the movie that I liked at all. That they were some of them were moderately interesting, but none of them I. I ever cared if they died in any given scene i was like i don't know your name or i don't like watching you that's fine where that's why i watch movies and so for me it was like a complete miss so i think that this time when i watched it there were two characters there was the rebellion and there was the empire and like Mm. in my mind something about switching over to that really changed my perspective on this movie that's fair. I could totally see that. Um, and I will say, like, based on the cinematography stuff that you're talking about, we're probably running long because we got into Star Wars. But <laughs> I went back recently and rewatched the Vader scene at the end. And it is it absolutely goes to show what you were talking about with the cinematography. That is one of the best scenes in Star Wars. Oh, yeah, without that a doubt. Absolutely one of the best things that has ever been filmed of Star Wars was just putting Vader in that airlock. And if looking at the rest of the movie through that lens of being like, okay, let's look at how they shot this from a from a filmmaking perspective. I may like it better. I will I will give it that at the very least because it is hardcore bottom of my list on Star Wars movies. I will take the theatrical Clone Wars movie with Rado the Hutt as a baby before I will take Rogue One. So we'll and see. For me, it's in my top five. It might be in my top three at this point. So we come in very different places with it. But yep. yeah, go watch it. Report back. We'll talk more because we're getting to Star Wars time of the year. Um, yeah. That's probably it for today. Though. <laughs> you guys can write to us with comments, suggestions, or feedback. Our email address is geek2geekcast at gmail.com or reach us on Twitter at geek2geekcast. We also have longer discussion threads on our subreddit at reddit.com slash r slash geek2geekcast. We also have great discussions on Slack and Discord. You can go to geek2geekmedia.com for invite links. And while you're there, check out all the other content on the network. I blog at agreenmushroom.com. You can find me at grnmushroom. That's green mushroom without the E's on Twitter. And I'm on Twitter as at Professor Beach. That's Beach with two E's. And you can listen to me even more on the Dragon Quest FM podcast. We've been Void and Beach with your Geek to Geek podcast. That'll do it for this week. See you next week, geeks. Bye, guys. Hey Geeks, this is Capsule J. I'm a streamer on the Geek2Geek Media Network. If you like discovering new games and chatting with cool nerdy folks, be sure to check out my channel on Twitch. You can find it at twitch.tv slash capsulej. That's C-A-P-S-U-L-E-J-A-Y. I stream a blend of indies, retro games, and RPGs most Tuesday nights from 8pm to 11pm Eastern, and occasionally on Thursdays and weekends. Hope to see you then! Hi! My name is Joe Hogan, and I'm a geek. And if you're currently listening to this, there's a good chance you're a geek, too. So check out my podcast, Geektitude. Each week, I talk with somebody about their geek aptitude. Sometimes I talk to people in a geeky profession. 
Sometimes it's someone doing something really cool with their geekiness. Often it's another geeky podcaster. But it's always someone who wants to share their inner geek. So join me each week as we come together to geek out about all the geeky stuff we love. And remember, this week, keep it geek. Hello, friends. This is Troidal Power inviting you to join me over on Twitch most weeknights sometime after dinner. Video games have always been a social hobby for me, with friends and family crammed together on a couch chatting away while someone holds the controller. And thanks to the power of the internet, I've got my own virtual couch over on Twitch where you can kick back and goof off while I play games. Find me on Twitch by searching Troidal Power, that's T-R-O-Y-T-L-E Power, to snag a spot on the couch. Hello, I'm Katie. And I'm Chelsea. And together we are Tea Time with Katie and Chelsea, a podcast all about pop culture. We talk about books, movies, music, basically anything we want at this point. Yes, we obsess about K-pop. And Keanu Reeves. And sometimes Katie cries on the podcast. Hey, that's rude. But really, we are just here to talk about all the things that we love. So make sure to head over to teatimewithkc.com and geek2geekmedia.com to check us out. And don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe to our show wherever you download your podcasts. Bye. Bye.